Good morning, Maplecrest. A little louder. Good morning, Maplecrest. Yeah, today we're speaking about fire. There we go. Yeah. So we're speaking about fire. It's the season of the end times in the Jewish calendar. Uh, we spoke about that last week, and the season continues, so we're really excited about that. So I was going to speak on uh, rewards, because the rewards happen at the end. They, they, well, they happen now, too. But the rewards, the big rewards, ceremonies, happen at the end of the age. And uh, so I just love speaking about the end times, because oh, we, we focus on the visitations of Jesus, and we should, but we often forget about the visitations that haven't happened yet. Uh, people are like, well, why have studied the end times? It hasn't happened yet. Well, guess what? Jesus went to heaven again. Like the first coming of the Lord isn't happening right now either. It happened. It's history. But we love to study it. We love to study the Gospels and what he did because it helps us to understand who he is and how we can relate to him now. And it's the same thing with the end times. It hasn't happened yet, but by studying what he's going to do, we can understand who he is, what his character is, and what he can do for us and what he is doing for us and with us now. So I love the end times, and I love talking about rewards, and I was going to focus on crowns, and I am going to focus on crowns today, but as I was focusing on that, I picked up this major theme of fire, and the Lord just started downloading stuff with me about fire, and so there's going to be this kind of dual message today about how fire and rewards, particularly the crowns, are related, and I just feel really confirmed because when we were talking this morning in pre-service prayer, Keith, our spiritual father here, had uh, some words about fire as well. Okay, so let's dig into it. Lord, I just pray that you would bless me with a word this morning, that you would fill me with wisdom and revelation, that this message would be from you, and I just pray that you would send this message out like an arrow of truth to bless our hearts, to fill us up with your presence, to help us change our minds and renew our minds to be more like yours, to see things with your perspective and not the world's. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So our church is called to be a burning light, We're called to be burning lights, and we spoke about that two weeks ago. The vision of the church is to be these burning, burning lights. And that's the first thing I want to say is that right now when we think about fire, we think about light. But the connection between fire and light is less now than it was in the past because we have light bulbs, right? We don't need a fire to have light, right? We have have fancy, fancy light bulbs. But if we were to go back to biblical times, they didn't have LED. They had fire. That's it. And so when you see any reference to a light in the Bible, don't just think about a light bulb. Think about fire. It had, there had to be a fire if there was a light in the Bible in those times. So when you think about that, I mean, there's a lot of references to fire in the Bible anyway. But if you look at all the references to light, fire is a major, major theme in the Bible and how God relates to us. And we want to understand it really, really well. The scripture that I talked about two weeks ago for the church was John 5.35. This is talking about John the Baptist. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. We are called to be burning and shining lamps. And we talked about it as being bright righteousness. Bright righteousness. Okay, so now I'm going to switch over to crowns, because that was something that, that was uh, kind of connected for today as well. So we have a couple slides. Sorry, Jason, I didn't tell you about this, but we have a couple slides on, uh, on the uh, program there. So if you could uh, skip over to uh, the, the slide, I think it's the first one. Let's see what it is, of a crown. There's a crown. So this is what we typically think of when we think of a crown. Okay? Now, this is not the crown that they refer to in the Bible. 
So this is the crown I don't want you to think about anymore when you think about <laughs> biblical crowns, okay? So you've got to forget about this. But I'm displaying it to you so that you'll forget about it. Now this, for those of you who are listening online, this is like the classic Queen Elizabeth crown, the British crown jewels. This is, the one I have on the slide here is actually, at least on Google, it said it was a Jewish-type crown. So anyway, uh, I tried to keep it in the Hebraic theme, Hebraic theme but, uh, but basically it's the crown that you would think of uh, when you think about maybe what Queen Elizabeth would wear or something like that. Uh, in the Bible, this would be referred to as a diadem. And it is referred to in the Bible, but most of the time when uh, we're thinking about uh, scriptures that are referring to a crown, it's not talking about this. It's not the diadem crown. In fact, in the New Testament, the crowns, when it's referred to as a diadem, is actually the Revelation dragon wearing these. So we don't really want to think about this too much unless you're in the Old Testament. So this is not the crown we're talking about. The, of the crown that we are talking about is the Stephanos crime. Not crime. The Stephanos crown. And the Stephanos crown is this one. Can you go to the next slide? This is the crown. This is the Greek crown. So this is just a little, for those of you who are, uh, can't see the slide. Uh, it's the crown of leaves that you would wear at the, uh, that if you were Greek or you know, if you were rewarded with a crown at the Olympics. It's a, it's a crown of achievement, of running a race, of winning winning a race. It's an Olympic. It's like an Olympic gold medal. Now, it is a place of honor, and it could potentially be a place of ruling, but it's also this primary reward of somebody who's like an Olympian, who has run the race well, and not primarily of rulership. So it's a completely different crown. Now, this is, I know this is completely rocking your world, because I'm sure that you're all students of the crowns in the Bible, and you were thinking of that previous one before, and now you have to completely reorient yourself in the Bible. That's okay. We're going to get you there. The Stephanos crown is the crown that we're talking about when we think about the rewards in the Bible. Now, this is the crown that Paul was referring to, that he worked so hard for. And it's actually referred to a number of times. He refers to this crown as he goes, like the letters in the Bible that he writes are written over a period of time. And as he's going through this, he refers to running a race. He refers to getting the reward. And at the end of his life, in the last reference to this, he's close to his death in his natural life. And he says that he has been awarded this crown. He has been, he says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Finally. Could you imagine if you were actually told in this life that you had gotten a crown? He kind of has this dialogue with the Lord about this crown as he's going, I'm running the race, I'm going for it. And at the end, he's like, oh, finally. This is 2 Timothy 4, 8. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. A couple of weeks ago, I was praying with some people and, uh, in my house, with a couple that had come over. And when we were praying, spontaneously, uh, one of them had a, a prophetic word for me and said that they saw me wearing a crown. That's extremely encouraging to me. It's extremely encouraging, the depth of that word, to see me wearing a crown. When we think about rewards, 
We are so mixed up with rewards on this earth. And I don't want you to place all of the dynamics of getting a reward that we have grown up with, with the rewards that the Lord is giving. He has a different dynamic when he gives a reward, when he gives a crown. When he gives a reward, it's about relationship. It's not about getting jealous over something. There's not jealousy around this. Yeah, there's suffering loss. I mean, if you get to the Lord and you don't get any rewards, don't get me wrong, you're going to have some tears. But it's not like, oh, shoot, Cyrus got one and I didn't, and I'm jealous, and he gets to do this, and I don't. It's not that kind of thing. It's more like looking in the Lord's eyes and him saying to you, I'm giving you a crown because I saw what you did for me when nobody was looking. It was you and it was me, Cyrus. Here you go. And this is a symbol of our relationship for eternity. You will have this as a symbol of how we related to each other when you couldn't see me. When it was on faith. Nobody will get a crown for the rest of eternity unless they got it when they couldn't see me and they were living on the earth under all the pressure of that place. And when I look at you and you, I see your crown, we're going to wink at each other because we know what that means. It's that wink. That's what the reward is. It's the wink of like, I know what you did for me. I know what you did for me. We could all have a crown. Genesis 15.1 After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. The reward isn't the crown. The reward is the crown, and the crown is a symbol of him being my reward. He is our great reward. And all of the rewards in the Bible are about relationship with him because he is our reward. And they're a symbol of that relationship. One of the rewards is a stone, a plain stone with a secret name between you and him. What kind of reward is that? What does that buy you at the store? Nothing. It's about, and why, you can't even tell anybody the name. It's a secret name. And that's because it's about you and it's about him. And it's about looking at him and him looking at you and calling you that name and saying, only we know that name because he's our reward. So that's why you might think, I don't need a reward, Lord. I'll follow you to the end. I don't even need a reward. But if you get there, trust me, he was the one who said you want these things. And when you get there, you're going to be like, oh, shoot. (laughs) You said we would want them, and I do. And I do. Now, you don't have to know about rewards to get rewards, but it helps to know about them. Now, the big scripture on rewards is 1 Corinthians 3, 8 to 5. First of all, though, I'll give you a little bit more background on crowns. There's three crowns that are referenced in the Bible. Today I'm going to be primarily speaking about the crown that Paul was referring to, the crown of righteousness, because we're going to be talking about being on fire and bright righteousness. But there's two other crowns, and I just want you to know what they are to wet your whistle and hopefully get you interested in this topic and studying it on your own. There's the crown of life, which is given to people in persecution. I actually believe that we've seen the crown of life. I, I can't say I know this, but I believe it has thorns. 
Now, I don't know if that was a physical manifestation of a spiritual reality or if that's actually the crown that you get. But the crown of persecution, the crown of life, I mean, Jesus like physically manifested a crown when he was experiencing a persecution that none of us can ever know when God turned his back on him as a son of God. Sometimes we physically manifest spiritual realities. So there's a crown of life, which is given to those who have been persecuted or are persecuted. The crown of glory, and this is for shepherds. I guess God knows how tough it is sometimes. No. <laughs> there's the crown of glory, and it's given to people who are in leadership. It sounds like it's particularly to people who are shepherds over, uh, over Christians, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have, uh, you know, be on an org chart in a church in order to get the crown of glory. So it's not reserved for people who are on the payroll, right? It's the crown of glory is for people who are, are laboring to, ha- to lead people in the faith. So there's like three crowns. There's a lot of rewards in the Bible. It's exciting to think about. Okay. Now the major verse to understand, to help explain rewards is 1 Corinthians 3, 8 to 15. And I'll read it for you, at least pieces here. Each one will receive his own reward according to his one labor. We get into heaven by grace, but we get rewards by labor. Okay, so don't get confused. You're not earning your way into heaven. Okay, you get into heaven by grace. You're not, we don't labor to get in. We can't earn forgiveness. Okay, you can't earn that. But when you know the Lord, getting into heaven is just the beginning. It's not like, okay, got in, got my ticket. Okay, let's go to church just to make sure it's still valid. No, that's not how it works. Okay? Getting in is the beginning of a glorious journey with the Lord, of all kinds of things that you can learn and do in the kingdom. Each one will receive his own reward according to his one labor. It goes on, let each one take heed how he builds. It goes on again, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And this is where fire comes in. It will be revealed by fire. And that fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which has been built on, which work, which he has built on, it endures he will receive a reward. So if your work endures, it will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. And I refer to tears. He will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved yet as through fire. So we're not talking about salvation. Salvation is not on the line. But your work will be tested. What you've done for the kingdom will be tested. And when I say work, I want you to broaden what you think of work. This isn't like going to the office and doing work. It's not like how many bowls of soup that you give out, although bowls of soup are good and could get you a reward. But it depends how you give the soup. Right? We don't want to be a clashing bell here. We want to be in love with people. The spiritual work you could get even though you've never met anybody. You could be on your bed praying. If you move your heart in love to the Lord, that is what we're talking about with spiritual work here. It's much broader than what we typically think of when we think of the word work. We're building with gold, silver, and precious stones. You could build with other things, and you'll be okay in the end, but okay as through fire. 
So this, when I was praying about this, when I was talking or I was thinking about crowns and how they're revealed, how, we re- how our crown is revealed, the jewels and gold is revealed in our lives, I just started to receive things about, about fire. There's a few things that fire does. First of all, it removes sin. It burns up sin. And you can see that with the, the hay and the, and the straw. It burns it up and it, and it destroys it. So that all that's left is God and holiness. And that hurts. So when you think of fire hurting, amen, it hurts because we have sin in our lives. So if you experience fire in your body and you experience some pain, amen. Amen. We want that pain. We want that. We're not masochistic. We don't want pain per se, but we want the evidence of sin leaving ourselves. Because it's exciting. It's sad when we're like, oh, yeah, there's some sin. Maybe not unexpected. But it's exciting because it's a sign of it leaving. So it removes sin. It reveals, and then at the same time, it reveals what's left behind. It reveals what's left behind after the fire is over. So when you think about experiencing a fire in your elbow because your elbow is sick, and you experience a burning and you're like, oh, it's burning, and now it's healed. Was the fire healing it or was it revealing the kingdom? Was it burning up the sin in your body and revealing the kingdom, God's original intention for your elbow? He would have us be healthy and fire reveals his will. So we pray for God's fire in our elbows, in our knees, and in our hearts. The healing can just be the removal of sin. You are forgiven and you wake, he stands up and is healed. You are forgiven. The sin is gone. When the sin is removed, we will all be healed. Hence the end times. When the end times comes, it's like all this violence, right? That's the fire. Did you know that you pray for the end times all the time? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're praying for the fire of God to come down and burn it up. It's love to throw and sweep away the enemy. It's love to throw him into the lake of fire to protect his bride. If you take away, if you sweep away the sin, what's left is healed. It's healed. It's his kingdom that's left. So when you see Jesus in the end times being a little violent, like covered in blood, it's somebody coming to clean up the earth. Somebody coming to clean up the earth. Why isn't God more merciful? You know, I hear that, and I also hear, why does God allow sin? Can't have it both ways. He's merciful because he gives time, but he will remove sin, and that's the end times. So, we get healed because he burns up the sin and it reveals, restores the original intention. Revelation 1.14, this is a description of Jesus. The, hair, the hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Jesus' eyes will be a flame of fire. That's a picture of him. We want to learn about who he is. And when you see him next, he won't be wearing the crown of persecution. He will have eyes of fire, so get ready. We need to have an accurate picture of the Jesus that we're going to meet. 
Why are his eyes like fire? He is going to be seeing the earth through God's fire. Everything will be revealed. Everything will be purified. When you encounter the Lord, you will encounter his burning gaze. He's going to see right through the sin. He's going to burn it up. His judgments will be true. You can't bring a friend and say, well, my friend did it. He's not going to be compromised. He will be true to himself. He will be true to glory. And the fire of the Lord is uncompromising. Everything made of hay, straw, is going to burn up. You're going to get into heaven through fire. The fire of the Lord's eyes. Whew. It's glorious. It takes a little getting used to. It's not in a manger anymore. Once the impurities are removed, once the gold, the reward is revealed, the fire doesn't stop. The fire continues. It's not just about burning up the sin. It's not. It's not just about revealing the kingdom. It's about glory. But don't we want the fire to stop? It hurts. Well, what happens when the straw is gone? There's no more pain. When you are holy, the fire will not consume you. A Bible verse is coming to your mind now. Exodus 24:17 Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of a mountain in the sight of the people of Israel God himself was a burning fire He was a burning fire on the top of a mountain Was he in pain because he was fire was he up there going ouch I'm on fire He was enjoying his fire He is the appearance and the glory of fire it represents who he is It's glory And it doesn't devour him. He stands in the midst of it, in the midst of his fire. Exodus 3, 2 to 6. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. Moses, this is Moses, he looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Later it says, Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. It's holy ground. What would have happened to him if he had stood there? Probably would have gotten burned up. I don't think he was totally holy at that point. But if it's holy ground, it will not be consumed. It's just glory at that point. The flame of the Lord burning around you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire protected by the glory and forgiveness of the Lord burning as a bright and shining lamp we all get the fire but for some of us it hurts a little more than others we want to be bright shining lamps we want to be filled with the glory of the Lord creating a light for everybody to see we want to be glorified 
We want to be filled with glory for everybody to see. We want to be bright righteousness. That might mean that we might smoke a little bit in the beginning. John 5:35 He was burning he was a burning and shining lamp and you are willing to rejoice for a while in his light. John the Baptist was in the was in the wilderness. He was bright, he was shining and he was burning. He was a burning man. And people wanted to visit but they didn't want to stay because it burned. It burned to be with him. If you think having a church and having a lot of numbers is what it's about, I would say no. If you're really burning, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt to come to church. It's a smoky place. Everybody's going to be coming in and be like, whoa. There's a smoke in the air. All the sin is getting burned up. The glory of the Lord is here. In In the revival of the early church, people were killed. By the glory of the Lord, the judgment of the Lord came down. And I'm praying that we would have the judgment of the Lord on this place. And that sounds scary, but it's not. It's the glory of the Lord. For the glory of the Lord to come down, we need the judgment of the Lord. When Paul was saying, I have the crown, he found out about the crown because he had the glory of the Lord. It had been revealed to him. How do you get the crown revealed? By fire. If you want to know if you have a crown, you have to burn If you don't know if you have a crown, go and burn and see what happens to you. Ask the Lord for the fire, a baptism of fire. We're going to be praying for a baptism of fire. And I pray that you would realize the weight of what you're asking if you ask for the baptism of fire. It's not just fun. It's a revealing of the stones, of the glorious stones, of the gold of the Lord, of your crown. It's the revealing of the bright righteousness inside of you. It's a purifying of your heart. It's a fire for a reason. We want to be purified. Lord, be gentle. He's a good God. He's a father too. Father with fire. Luke three sixteen. John, the man on fire, John the Baptist, said in verse 16, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He had a vision for who Jesus was. The most righteous man on the earth was not fit to tie Jesus' sandal. The more you know about the Lord, the more you know where you fit in the kingdom. It breeds humility. And Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus' mission was to baptize with fire, to create righteousness, to create it, to purify it, and to reveal it. He was to reveal what righteousness is through his people to the earth. We were called to be a city on the hill, a light in the darkness, to be bright righteousness, 
to be burning and shining lamps. We are called to burn and we are called to help others burn. To burn with the fire of the Lord. I want to paint a final picture of what burning is from all these things that we're talking about. Imagine yourself in the end, face to face with Jesus. Try to imagine it. He gave us our imagination for a reason. This is a holy reason. We can live these things before they happen. I won't get into it, but imagination is a powerful thing. Imagine yourself at the end of the age, facing Jesus with his eyes of fire, all impurities revealed, being washed away. He places a crown of victory, a gold medal, places a crown on your head. And he says, your impurities were burned before you even got here. I didn't even have to burn you. I didn't have to burn it all away. You were burning already. You asked for the fire and I gave it to you. You were burning your whole life. Here is your crown. You already knew you had a crown. I revealed it to you. There was another time when the manifestation of the rewards of the future were revealed in the present. I talked about one with the crown that Jesus wore, crown of life. I don't know, probably all three crowns. There's Paul's, he's actually told about his crown. And then there's Pentecost where the spiritual reality was manifest in the natural. The spiritual reality of fire was manifested on the disciples, and they burned, and they didn't have any pain. It was burned away, and they were given glory. We want to be bright and shining lamps, to have the crown of righteousness. It is a crown of... It is, the burning is power, for sure. It's super powerful, but it's righteousness. If you're still burning, it's righteousness. If you can enjoy the fire, that's righteousness. I believe that we were called as a church from the beginning to be a candle. The churches are called to be candles. We're called to be fires. We're called to have the fire of the Holy Spirit in us. And I remember before we started Maple Crest, it felt like there was a candle being lit. It was one of my first words. There was a candle being lit. Being, I should say, being given. It's a candle being given to us as a church. And two weeks ago, we were talking about the crown. And after that, spontaneously, there was a word of me wearing a crown. And I don't say that to say, oh, Cyrus has a crown. I say that to say that we are called to have crowns. The prophetic is calling it into being. And I believe it's for all of us. It's, called, it's a call for Maplecrest to wear a crown of righteousness. 
to welcome the fire of the Lord. So today we're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. To reveal our crowns, to create our crowns, to purify us, to wear the crown of righteousness. But I pray that you would go into it with with holy wisdom. I think we should run into the fire. But I don't want you to be unknowledgeable of what you're running into. I was talking with somebody earlier this week and I was like, you know what, we built the church. Spent the year getting incorporated, getting a charitable number, figuring out who was going to worship this Sunday. It's all done. Not done, but it's done. And I was like, the only thing left is to build me. That's the call now. The call isn't to figure out where we're going to meet. The call is to figure out how we're going to burn. Is to grow us as stones in the church. Living realities. Burning realities. Last Sunday it felt like it started. I've been burning all week. Stand with me. <laughs> 